Outdoor Explorer. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. My guest today is Lee Hart, Executive Director of Alaska Outdoor Alliance. The Alliance's mission is to build the best outdoor economy in the world. The outdoor economy is an under-recognized yet important economic driver to communities across the Western United States. According to the Outdoor Industry Association, 81% of Alaskans participate in outdoor recreation each year, and we have the seventh largest recreation economy in the United States. There's 3.2 billion spent by Alaskan consumers that can be tied to outdoor recreation, according to the State of Alaska Center for Economic Development. The Alliance is a critical player in advancing policy and promoting outdoor recreation and infrastructure in our state. Keep listening for more on Outdoor Explorer. This is Outdoor Explorer. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. My guest today is Lee Hart, Executive Director of the Alaska Outdoor Alliance, an organization with the goal of building the best outdoor economy in the world. I took that off your website, Lee, because I thought that was really great. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show, Lisa. I think uh, this is a topic that we don't talk about a lot, and that's kind of the, the politics and economics of, um, of the outdoors and particularly in a state that is so dependent on so few income resources that this is a big untapped area that your group is really working on. So um, we'll talk about a lot of different things about the um, Alaska Outdoor Alliance and projects you're doing, but I want to start with how it all got started. Well, it was actually um, sort of um, incubated in Valdez um, when we <clears throat> launched the Valdez Adventure Alliance to try and diversify um, the economy in Valdez, especially the kind of visitor economy there, and through an emphasis on winter recreation, um, besides just, you know, Valdez's reputation for, um, uh, you know, extreme skiing. So it started there and then it, 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 I had a first conference six years ago. We're coming up on our, um, at the end of this of October, we'll have our sixth annual confluence summit on the outdoors. Um, but we really broke away, um, kind of fled, you know, fledged from the nest about um, two and a half years ago and um, have been operating statewide since then. <laughs> you had to think about that for a second. <laughs> I was thinking if I answered your question. So. <laughs> I, I think you did. Um, so did you have a group of people in Valdez that were like, oh, we need to like build on this or um, like? Oh, um, well, so the, so public relations and marketing and branding is sort of my stock in trade. And it was my theory that for Valdez to be successful, we had to find out if there was more momentum around the state and more allies around the state um, who also felt the same way. And that's actually what led to the first conference um, at Alaska Pacific University, where about 75 people from all around the Anchorage Bowl and points beyond got together and we asked that question, is there political will to get behind the idea that this sleeping giant of an economic you know, impact 
deserves some attention and deserves some more um, a unified voice speaking out on, on behalf of it for policy and funding issues. And what we came away with that, that, those, that first meeting and three days later was, yes, there is political will and it's been building nicely ever since. And you've had some pretty high promoters of this too, who have participated in this. Like, well, when I think about the Alaska Long Trail, you know, Tony Knowles jumped on that. And that's, we'll get to the Alaska Long Trail a little bit later, but that's kind of a piece of this idea that we can bring people to Alaska and build our economy off of what we have to offer in the outdoors. Yeah, that's right. We uh, were super psyched to have Tony Knowles back in action. And, uh, but, you know, we have good support uh, from our congressional delegation as well. Uh, they, they totally get it. And um, um, Senator Murkowski in particular um, is a strong champion for our sector, always looking um, out for us on policy uh, to make it easier for people to do business um, in the outdoors in Alaska as well as how to get more resources. And by that, I'd be blunt to say funding into um, the state so we can do projects that help um, not only our industry, but are kind of underpin the tourism industry throughout the state because most people come to Alaska to enjoy our natural bounty of beautiful outdoors and the things you can do outside. It is kind of amazing to me that uh, that this wasn't hit on earlier and kudos to you for like figuring it out too, because it just seems such a natural fit to us that we should be promoting these things instead of just thinking about the tourists that are coming in on cruise ships and coming into a town and then leaving, but that we have a chance to get people into Alaska for longer periods of time and in different parts of the state. So, um, you know... I'm, I mean, I guess I look at like Tony Knowles was like such a promoter of the outdoors and really has a lot of legacy, like with the Tony Knowles coastal trail and things like that. And why do you think it's taken the states or the people in our state so long to kind of figure this out? What did it, what did it take? Well, you know, Alaska isn't alone um, in that. And what it is, is it, 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 it's sort of, we've, we fit in. So I've worked in the outdoor, um, outdoor industry for the better part of half, over half of my career. And so when I started Valdez Adventure Alliance, which rolled into Alaska Outdoor Alliance, it was at the same time that around the country, other states were looking at this sector. And eventually, I think two years into it, like in 2018, the federal government for the first time in essence, recognized us as an economic sector when the Bureau of Economic Analysis released data for our sector. So that's relatively new, right? So you think about it, like how long have they been measuring the auto industry or have they been measuring healthcare, you know, well-established industries. So we've, they, the federal government's only been measuring our industry since 2018. Mm. So, you know, right now, uh, actually today in the news, in the news that I get, you know, there's two more states that have created offices of outdoor recreation. So we're well over half of the United States have um, state offices dedicated to this direction. Sometimes they live in 
um, the departments of commerce, sometimes they're in their natural resources departments, but basically they're working across silos to strengthen um, the industry in whatever ways makes sense. And in the, some of those silos are, include, you know, public health and transportation, you know, the active transportation, you know, creating those connections between communities, neighborhoods, everyday places is ground zero for getting people outside, right? And having healthier lifestyles. Um, and so actually we have a subgroup in Alaska Outdoor Alliance that is just that, where we have the State Department of Public Health and the active transportation um, section from Department of Trans the State Department of Transportation are teaming up and we're working on those questions right now. So it's not just about tourism. There are other benefits from, you know, a life sp spending time outside and Alaskans know that in spades and, and prove it all the time. We have the highest participation rate um, in outdoor activities of any of the, you know, 50 states. And now we just got to capitalize on it. And I think one of the things is, again, is we're still on the education track of explaining to legislators and other, you know, decision makers that this is a sector. And one of the easiest ways you can say it is, well, when I was in Valdez, I'd say, hey, look at on a, on a winter weekend, how many cars are going up the Glen Highway, the Richardson with like, they've got trucks with a trailer, a couple snow machines on them. And think of all the gear and the stuff people wear and the helmets and everything else that goes with that. And then add that up. And that adds up to a big sector right? That's just one sport. And then there's all the others that we do. And so add up that gear and the sales and the education to learn how to do those things and, and the gas to get there and this, the lodging you stay at, it adds up to a lot of economic activity. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think COVID probably has helped get even more people outdoors and appreciate the outdoors. Certainly when you go to any trailhead now in Anchorage, it's pretty hard to find a parking spot on a nice day. <laughs> yeah, COVID has been a crazy story for all of us, right? I mean, it's been so transformational in almost every aspect of our lives, but thankfully here in Alaska, you know, Dr. Zink was, was very clear that encouraging Alaskans to get outside as a way to find physical and mental relief from the strains of, you know, different health mandates and all that. And so we are collecting data, you know, the um, Anchorage, uh, municipality of Anchorage, their parks and rec department did a study um, that measured people's changes in usage and attitudes toward public parks. That was all really, uh, you know, on the positive side for us, for our sector. Um, the travel industry has done their studies about COVID impacts and what people chose to do, um, given all, again, all the strictures that were in place at the time. And it just proves undeniably um, that getting outdoors is not only good for people, it's good for the economy. And, um, and so now we're in a stage of like, there's a lot of conversations going on in our industries about what comes next, how do we um, prepare for, you know, these changes in behaviors and capitalize on that and, and make more opportunities for Alaskans, both in their personal lives, but those who want to be entrepreneurs in this business to, to succeed as well. 
I think it, it bears reminding people that even just, oh boy, maybe five or eight years ago, it was almost impossible to pass a park and recs bond in Anchorage. I mean, or it would just be hanging on to pass, barely passing. And now it pa- parks and rec bonds pass by wide margins and they're kind of a given like school bonds almost, you know, that right. people vote for them now. So I think there really has been this kind of fundamental shift in Anchorage, at least of the attitude towards this is a very impar- important part of our, um, just our lifestyle and what kind of city we want to be in. Like we want to be the city that values the outdoors and the um, places that we can recreate in. Well, yeah, I mean, even Anchorage Economic Development, you know, their initiative about live, work, play and making Anchorage the best place in the country to live, work and play. That's, you know, that's case in point right there. Okay. So when I was looking at your website, I saw that you had basically three main things that you focus on. So the first one was promoting, uh, you, you promote growing the outdoor recreation assets across Alaska. Mm-hmm. So what kind of recent things or past things are you working on now What that you're involved in now around well, that theme? Yeah, right now what we're working on is, uh, boy, you know, the there's just so many resources and so much more emphasis on our sector um, because of the pandemic and in this current administration in Washington. And so one of those things that's happening is the Economic Development Administration released a bunch of American Rescue Plan Act uh, grants, six or seven categories of grants. And um, the Alaska Outdoor Alliance is part of a grant coalition trying to um, get one of the bigger grants in these categories. So it's called the Build Back Better Regional Challenge. And our partners are Alaska Travel Industry Association, Alaska Native Heritage Center, Southeast Sustainable Partnership, and the University of Alaska. And together we're envisioning, um, you know, a post-pandemic tourism economy that is more regenerative, equitable, just, um, and opens the door to more communities being able to get in and prosper in this sector. So um, we're looking at things like a tourism equity accelerator um, that would find ways to reduce the barriers, again, for maybe more rural communities, underserved communities to get in the game, so to speak. Um, and there's a variety of tactics um, in that piece. Uh, the Alaska Travel Industry Association is looking at um, a really comprehensive strategic plan in conjunction with this to roll out statewide. Um, we're also putting together um, regional bundles of outdoor infrastructure projects and our infrastructure trails and huts and boat launches and float plane docks and those kinds of things. So we have a couple of regions that we're looking at specifically for bundling some of these construction projects that get people back to work and start to prove the case of what we're talking about in this 
um, regenerative tourism theme. Yeah, so, can you explain yeah. what regenerative tourism means? I'm not really sure I know what that means. Yeah, it's tourism that's um, that kind of gives back um, as much as it um, as it as as a visitor takes. Let's say so. It's it's more enriching of the of the of a, of a holistic view of the community and bringing that community up instead of maybe only um, you know visiting it on a very surface level. So it's a little deep bit of a deeper relationship with the places that you visit, which is why cultural tourism, why we're weaving together cultural tourism and outdoor tourism. You know, this, this whole state, you know, has only been around uh, as a state since the late fifties, you know, and it was owned by some other people that had, um, and so we're, we're trying to do some healing work and and just have a more forward-thinking approach to um, how we're representing Alaska. And we have this just unbelievably unique opportunity that exists nowhere else in this country uh, to, to really stand apart from other destinations. We are the reason that United States is called an Arctic country. So we're going to have some emphasis in this grant about what's the future for the Arctic and Arctic tourism looking like um, and what do they need. Um, and, and so climate change, I'm assuming, is a big so, piece yeah. of that. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so, yeah, so it's really, um, I guess, just a deeper interwoven connection to the places that you visit and the cultures that are inherent in those places. Mm -hmm. So the second um, piece is the Alaska Outdoor Alliance advances policies and programs that expand opportunity in outdoor recreation. So what are some uh, like policies and programs that you're looking at right now or in the past or that you've done in the past couple of years that kind of serves that? Well, right now there's a number, we, we track um, some of the policies going on in Washington because those are able to affect change, systemic change, you know, across the whole system. So there's, there's a couple of bills in Congress right now that are about streamlining um, permitting processes and making it easier for um, like school groups to conduct outdoor classes and things like that. So that's the uh, Recreation Not Red Tape Act, the um, Simplifying Outdoor Access, you know, to Recreation Act. Um, there's also, there's about, there's literally six different versions of bills that look, that are looking to create, um, to re reconstitute the successful Civilian Conservation Corps concept. And, you know, when the Biden administration came in within the first couple of weeks, they were in office, the President Biden signed an executive order creating a civilian conservation course. So we're just putting the agencies and stuff are putting the meat to those bones, but also, you know, Congress has, is looking at this, uh, you know, and workforce development and whatnot um, in that kind of vein. So those are a few of the things we're looking at at the national level. And then locally, um, you know, we, 
when the pandemic first hit, we assembled, um, a, 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 we got a lot of stakeholders to sign on to a request of our congressional delegation for a jobs stimulus package. Um, and that is where um, one of the requests for that was that they vote in favor of the Great American Outdoors Act, which is helping, uh, which did pass. We, we, we are, it was a sweep across our three-person delegation. <laughs> and, um, but that helps um, address the maintenance backlog at national parks and state and, and, and within our national forests, BLM and so forth, as well as fully funding the Land and Water Conservation Fund, which is a key fund that really helps uh, get the, the state and uh, local um, part of that program is key to helping provide funding to local communities for close to home recreation, anything outside from playgrounds to tennis courts, skate parks, trails, huts, the whole, you know, the whole gambit of if you can play it outside, it's eligible for LWCF grants, generally speaking, as long as the entity applying does. Um, so that was one of the asks in that letter. Um, you know, again, we, we were pushing on the Civilian Conservation Corps concept and, you know, last, last year, last summer, um, three communities, Sitka, Juneau, and Anchorage, looked at that letter, it was kind of a springboard from that letter, and they took some CARES Act funding money and did exactly that, create local, really successful Civilian Conservation Corps-like programs in their communities um, that are, you know, now we're looking at how do we spread that across the state in general and replicate those elsewhere because they were so powerful and impactful. What was the trail that goes up to the ball field um, up the O'Malley Gulch? They redid that trail in switchbacks. That was part of that. Didn't that the money come from the, the That was part of that. The um, in the city of Anchorage, they they split the the money that they allocated to the program. Some of it went to outdoor recreation, and others went to forest health management. So mitigating, um, you know, against wildfire spread and stuff, mm -hmm. and and trying to. Um, improve forest health for that purpose. So, but yeah, that trail is exactly an example of that. I, I, I don't think there's, it, there was some weird controversy that I saw stirred up about that trail. I don't think it's a problem at all anymore, but the issue was that I don't think under people understood the variety of uses for the cares money. And I think that people were upset that this trail was being built with CARES money um, without looking at the broader, like people are getting jobs from this. People who maybe have lost their jobs have a job, <laughs> which to me yeah. is huge. And also that, you know, it, it, to me, it easily played into, yeah, this is what CARES money should be for as well as anything else. But I kind of found, find that maybe people just don't understand like, it, oh, it, it all happened really fast and it was a super intense time, right? Mm -hmm. There was a whole right. bunch of need out there. And, and I'm certainly sympathetic to the fact that, you know, there was a million ways you could spend that money. Um, but it was money I, I, you know, I'd like to think was well invested. Mm -hmm. you, again, you look at the Anchorage Park and Rec Department survey, 
and you look at a trailhead any day, you know, especially any weekend, and people want to have that access like that. And absolutely, it's good, and it is essential to their health at this time. We still have health mandates. We're still worried about, you know, community spread of this stupid disease. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah. And, and it put people back to work, you know, we were targeting, um, we knew, you know, obviously the hospitality sector was so hard hit and, you know, in, in, especially in, um, I don't have as, uh, the, as, I wasn't as close to the data, um, from that actual project in Anchorage as I was in Sitka and Juneau, but it was, it, it, it helped people stay in those communities. Mm-hmm. You know, it allowed them to stay there. Um, and some of them even decided that they liked doing trail work better than the hospitality job they left. And they're, they're now launching into a whole different career direction. So oh, that's great. It, it, had, it was really powerful and, and so well administered and used. And I've got to give kudos to, you know, Alaska Trails and Anchorage and Juno Trail Mix in Juno and Juneau and Sika Trail Works obviously in Sitka, um, but they just did really an awesome job of, of getting the most out of putting that money to the best use possible. And the community um, in most cases did respond really favorable to, um, to the outcomes of those projects. Yeah, I guess um, it, it's funny because I thought it was wonderful when I saw it. And then I was always, I was surprised to see this pushback, but it's kind of one of those things like, oh, I really shouldn't be paying attention to the few people who are saying something bad about this. Because most people, I mean, that is a well-used trail. I've been up it a couple of times and um, since it was built and the, it, on a beautiful sunny day this summer and lots of people using it. And it's also just it, it it's more, makes it more accessible for people because the Gulch trail is a tough trail, you know, mm. and, and it was also eroding the whole Gulch and everything. Yeah. I mean, it was looking pretty bad. So I'm very appreciative of that. And I'm always just kind of surprised when people aren't, cause I thought there were many fa- facets to it, you know, what it did. So, yeah, I just, I just, you know, you got to factor in that it was a really stressful time for a lot of people yeah. and, um, you know, it'd be great if it would have been able to hire a bunch more people. Maybe that would have helped. I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I just, for most of the COVID period, I, I write off any kind of, you know, behavior I don't quite understand is just like, we're all stressed out. So. Uh, I guess that's a good way to look at it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. We are going to take a short break, and when we return, the conversation with Lee Hart will continue. You're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. Find the show anytime as a free podcast in the iTunes store, or connect with us online at alaskapublic.org. listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. My conversation with the Executive Director of Alaska Outdoor Alliance, Lee Hart, continues. 
So the third prong is that you advocate for access and stewardship of public lands and waters. And that's a big job in Alaska because there's a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and we, that underpins, you know, the outdoor recreation sector is healthy lands and waters as what people are coming to see. They don't want to see some toxic stream somewhere. But, you know, most of that conservation work, the hardcore conservation work, that is, we leave that to all the many fine, fine, fine professional organizations in our state that um, have allocated decades of, of, you know, staff time and resources to, um, to those questions. We support them. And we, you know, when in that way, we're like, well, where can we, Right now, I think one of our main emphases is how do we connect segments of trails to create longer trails or loop trails? And are there acquisitions that would help that or land trades? And so in that case, we're working with, you know, many times it's multiple jurisdictions, right? It's either the muni or a borough, maybe the state you know, state parks and outdoor recreation could be forest service or, you know, whatever. And so it's how do we get these agencies to um, talk and plan together in a more cohesive function, you know, cohesive way for um, moving for moving these projects forward. Mm -hmm. um, one thing when we were talking about the long trail last year, I did a show on the long trail and everything, yeah. something that, you know, on, in my very, very narrow hiking trails in the mountains, I'd never thought about also that is that rivers and lakes are also trails. And I had never thought about that before. So um, just talking to people that were in this area helped me think about that in a bigger way, because, you know, um, when we talk about the Alaska long trail, which I guess now would be a good time to ask you about this kind of wondering what the status of that was, because I know that there was the legislature was going to all and Dunleavy was all primed to sign off on the Alaska long trail. Then it got pulled back. And I don't know if that was put back in the budget. Um, but um, the, the thing that really struck out to me about the Alaska long trail is being able to go all the way from the tip of Southeast or the Aleutians, possibly all the way up into the North slope of Alaska, but you would be using rivers and lakes to get there too. And I found that kind of fascinating. Yeah. Um, you know, in the Southeast in particular, we're looking at some historic cultural canoe routes, you know, that connected communities here in Southeast. And yeah, I mean, think about it historically, and even today, you know, our rivers, um, especially in maybe some of the more rural northern parts of our state, are still thoroughfares, especially in the winter, to connect communities, well, either season, but, um, you know, have connected communities in more effective ways sometimes than, I mean, especially when you don't have roads in those areas, the rivers have been the highways. And, um, you know, in some cases, that's the best way to get between communities. Um, as, as for the status of the Alaska Long Trail, it's, um, you know, it, it made its debut and it, it got people's imagination fired up. And 
got the attention of the governor and our legislature. And, um, and you know, these projects, like if you look at a, the Long Trail here, Pacific Crest Trail, Continental Divide Trail, all the, all the really long trails, they weren't just like, just to add water kind of, you know, projects. They're gonna take decades. And so for example, we're taking one of the segments where we're, we've in the, in the grant that I described earlier in the show that we're working on, we have what we're just calling the Denali project. And that'll incorporate a stretch of the long trail and other assets in the area and how that benefits the recovery from the pandemic in that area. But that'll be one way, assuming we get this grant, you know, to, to fund up the section of the trail. And it's probably literally going, you know, even the 13.2 million that was allocated for it in the first year, that's part, that's like, I, I just kept calling it phase one, because mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot more segments. There's, there's stretches that still need um, to be surveyed and, and routes determined. And, and so there's plenty of work to do. So I look at it as, you know, we're in the early opening phases and it's been, you know, again, PR was my stock in trade. So I take the wins where we can get them and that it got our governor's attention and got the legislature's attention. And then, you know, I mean, it was a, it was a, a difficult year with the budget and everything um, this year and all the confusion from COVID. So, uh, but we're on the map, you know, mm -hmm. and, yep. and we're on our way. Yeah. I'm confident that, you know, there's enough momentum and just, it seems like every day people, there's more people getting behind that project mm -hmm. um, and kind of the work that we're doing with this grant. Cause I want to point out on that grant that again, that I, this um, American Rescue Plan Act grant, the collaboration that's going into this and the strengthening of those relationships between these interrelated sectors is going to pay dividends for us, whether we get a penny of that federal money or not. Mm. We're basically crafting a vision right now. Hopefully the federal government agrees and the EDA agrees that that's a, a really ambitious and transformative kind of vision and provides us some funding to get it started. But we're not, it's not like it's gonna go away even if we don't get any of the funding. Yeah, it'll find its way forward somehow, right? <laughs> it will. It will. We're all committed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about the statewide comprehensive outdoor recreation plan, because this also plays a role in all of this funding, right? It definitely does. So the statewide comprehensive outdoor recreation plan, we call it SCORP because that otherwise it's a big mouthful. It is. <laughs> um, but it is mandated by Congress that each state has to have a SCORP that is updated every five years. And that is the that unlocks the door to federal funding from the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Um, we also use it to evaluate um, grants based on uh, for the Recreational Trails Project um, uh, funds from the Federal Highway Administration, and just it sets state priorities for investing in the outdoor recreation sector. So we are about halfway through um, updating that, that plan right now. It's got the most um, robust amount of uh, grassroots <clears throat> intelligence and um, inputs going into it, arguably of any of the previous Alaska SCORPs. 
And, um, you know, we've got regional facilitators getting information from their areas. We're aggregating all that. We're working on issues of workforce development and public health has a role on, you know, in this where it's going to be um, a really <clears throat> robust um, and aspirational look at where we want to take outdoor recreation in the next five years. Um, and so a lot of really good work done. Um, you know, State Parks Director Ricky Geese assembled a really strong um, statewide steering committee with from various sectors. Um, and again, kind of silo busting across all the departments within the state and, and allied, you know, kind of allies on the perimeter to put together um, a really thoughtful and group that can really help bring this plan, not only make for a really great plan, but then help bring it to life once it's, you know, finalized. Mm -hmm. So that's, when do you think it's going to be finalized? It, it's for, uh, it's a five-year plan, right? Yeah, it'll so be. How many, how many five-year plans have been done before this? I mean, how long has the SCORP thing been happening? Well, the Land and Water Conservation Fund was created in the 60s. Okay. So uh, that's a lot. I don't know. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. So um, I guess what I'm asking is, was SCORP a thing from the very beginning yeah. when it was created? Okay. So roughly the 60s and then every five years, um, it, is it up to the state? is the state mandated to update it or is that a thing that the each state takes upon themselves to update? I mean, potentially are no, there it, states it, sitting there that yeah, have never no, updated? It, it, it was part of the congressional act that created it, that established that states would create these plans. Um, and and with, if a state chose not to create such a plan, it would not be eligible for its share of the land and water conservation fund monies which would be tragic because mm -hmm. now, because of the Great American Outdoors Act and, and full funding for the Land and Water Conservation Fund, which had been sort of, um, it was arbitrary up to congressional appropriation, you know, that, that whole process. And they, sometimes they'd fully funded and sometimes they didn't and whatever, but now mm -hmm. it's fully funded, which, which means for Alaska, it means that approximately like the, the amount of money coming into the system for just land and water conservation fund is approximately at least doubled and almost tripled because of full funding. So we don't want it, it would be, it would be just a shame, right? To not have that plan and not be eligible to get that funding in here, not only for the state to do, because there's part of it that's just the state can do what it needs to do, but that piece of the state and local funding side of it um, that supports projects from Nome to Ketchikan and from little communities like Iliagig to, you know, our biggest community in Anchorage. So um, it, it's because it's a one-to-one -one match. So for every dollar um, a community puts up, then if the grant is successful, then the feds match that with a dollar. Mm -hmm. So it doubles your money, right? Mm -hmm. For your, for your local projects. And who wants to turn that away? You know, yeah. so um, <laughs> we do love our federal money, don't so, we? <laughs> yeah. So, so the SCORP is really important, and um, and I and I'm really proud of the effort that's going on right now to uh, to update that. Are there states that don't have a SCORP that have just like lost out on all this money? 
well, that would be silliness. And, and I'm yeah, sure but it happens, over, time, right? <laughs> over time, maybe in the early days they did. And then they figured, woke up and said, wait a second. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's pretty much a, a just a matter of, of routine for the mm. States now. Okay. Well, the sixth annual confluence conference is coming up and confluence is what got it all started, right? The first conference, yeah. kind of this whole vision. So um, what is, first of all, talking just about what it means, what a con, what the Confluence Conference generally is, and then what you're doing this year for Confluence. Well, um, I put an emphasis on the different part of the syllable. I call it Confluence. Confluence. Um, okay. So, um, so I, I debated that in my head. I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Confluence. It, it's easy. It's easy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but uh, what it is, it's just our annual gathering where our industry gets to get together and talk about um, topics that are, you know, front and center and, and um, on the hot plate to um, educate each other about what's going on, trends in the industry, and also kind of start to paint a direction of what our um, policy priorities for the state will be in the coming year. Um, this year, sadly, for the second year in a row, like so many other fine events in the state, um, we're going to be a Zoom event. Um, so I am uh, trying to mitigate Zoom fatigue. And so we have sort of an abbreviated, like a kind of truncated program, um, but still hitting the issues hard. Like we'll have one day that's really dedicated to um, federal policies and trends, another day to talk about our SCORP and all the kind of stuff that's happening within the state. And then um, the third day is dedicated to this um, health and transportation through active transportation. Um, so those are the three main themes. We'll have, we'll keep them a bit short. We'll have lightning talks that are, you know, really brief seven to 10 minutes max so that there can be more dialogue such as is permitted um, in the era of Zoom. Um, and, uh, and then hope that we can go back to in-person like all the other events that are sad to have to switch to Zoom right now. So, but maybe next year. Well, I mean, we thought by this time, I mean, last year we were thinking by this time, now we would be back to in-person stuff, right? <laughs> I know. And it's I know. worse. <laughs> you know, I, you know, we just had a, a Southeast conference went to Haynes this year and did a hybrid event and they, they had their mitigation plan together and um, the Haynes uh, assembly just thanked them for doing such a good job. So there's, there's, there's hope, you yeah. know, at least for some hybrid events, if not full blown back to like being able to shake hands and and uh, sit next to each other yeah. um, in events and, and make those connections that are so valuable. Yep. Um, and when is the, what is the date? Uh, the 26th to the 28th of October. Of October. Okay. Um, the third thing you mentioned was the active transportation. And by mm -hmm. that, you mean mm -hmm. like biking and things how like that? More bike and, how to have more bike, walk and roll friendly um, streets and sidewalks and okay. connections. Mm -hmm. So, and role, you know, being um, kind of a shorthand term for mobility impaired folks, right? Um, whether it's walkers or 
um, wheelchairs or whatever, but um, just making um, our streets and roads more bike walk and roll friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there's the League of American Cyclists has a scorecard that it puts together for all the states nationally and for some many, many, many communities. And so we're just looking to chip away at, uh, at that scorecard and improve our grades there. And also to bring, to take off the shelf, you know, was about 18 months ago, the state, it was actually right before the COVID times, um, the state released its new active transportation statewide plan. And so it's taking that plan off the shelf and looking at the recommendations in that and bringing those to life as well. Mm-hmm. So the two, you know, mesh together, the two objectives mesh together well, and that's um, uh, definitely something that um, our outdoor industry stakeholders are very keen on. Mm-hmm. I, in Anchorage, at least, I mean, um, you know, active transportation has really grown so much. And, and again, I mean, since when I was a kid and stuff, and again, I think we have to like, look at the bike trails and the ability to like, mostly stay off of main roads that make it safer. But also I kind of look at the Nordic countries who have been, you know, not fighting winter (laughs) forever. Like we seem to want to do sometimes, you know, and, um, is there, uh, you know, anything that they're doing in the Nordic countries that is helping the active transportation in the winter time? And, um, um, I would say that, um, from my days in Valdez and, and, you know, in Anchorage and whatnot, I, I, I'm definitely sensitive to the way that, uh, that our roads are maintained in the winter and where that puts non-motorized recreation and, um, when I was in Valdez, I had looked at um, different solutions from Nordic countries and suggested them to our uh, public works department. And um, <laughs> Valdez, by the way, has a world-class public works department. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll get to that eventually, um, but, yeah. uh, but they, you know, they have other priorities as well, but, um, yeah, there's, there's some things that are going on in terms of how you're maintaining your roads and sidewalks and how that happens and what sort of priority you put on it. Um, you know, so that, uh, <laughs> that they're navigable. Yeah. It, it's kind of a hard sell it just in our car culture, I think, you know, um, yeah, it's just hard. So it's, it's challenging. And, and, you know, it's also like, yeah, I mean, I, we could have a whole nother show about this, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, or even that brings up the fact that, you know, last boy, it was about this time last year, um, actually from the last confluence, by the way, um, it, it's sort of, I actually wasn't confluence. It was, uh, one of my lunch and learns. It's kind of combo. I can't remember. Anyway, so we, Alaska Outdoor Alliance, with our partners um, in the guiding community and um, uh, snow machine community, those, anybody, all the users up on Turning and Pass, um, joined forces, talked with our elected leaders in those communities, and were su- successful in getting the governor to commit to re to staffing the Turnigan Pass plowing facilities back up to um, 
you know, back up to levels where the roads were safer, the pullouts were safer, people could recreate more safely. So that was that was a big win for us, um, you know, in the past year. And that was, um, I'm really proud of the group that came together and we worked together to make that happen. Mm-hmm. It's great when the, when the self-propelled people get together with the motor people to make things happen. Cause we all enjoy the outdoors and sometimes there's obviously conflict there, but um, we all want the same outcome. And that is to have safe recreation areas and places open for us to be able to recreate. Yeah. And that, that's the thing about Alaska Outdoor Alliance is we are uh, agnostic or non-denominational, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, but we're like summer and winter sports, motorized and non-motorized hunters, watchable wildlife, the whole gamut plus, you know, manufacturing and retail and educators and healthcare providers, you know, so it's a big tent and, um, and we just hope everybody, we can all play together better. We have, you know, I have outstanding relationship with um, many of the uh, special interest groups, you know, on, on all sides of the aisle. That's great. So you touched on lunch and learn, which I wanted to talk about as well. So I have to say, I have really enjoyed your lunch and learn series, which I think I just started maybe last fall again, because I was in front of my computer a lot and at home and able to watch them. And I've learned so much through the lunch and learns. So tell a little bit about that when they started and kind of like, you know, give a little overview of your different topics and what might be coming up. And I will point people to that. I actually had asked you back in December, you had a bikes belong lunch and learned, and that became an episode of outdoor explorer. Thank you again for that. Cause that was, yeah. I thought it was a really great conversation. So let's hear a little bit more about lunch and learn. Well, the lunch and learn kind of, uh, was born of the pandemic and, um, and just trying to keep people connected in meaningful ways and having meaningful conversations, um, and bringing more voices to the table. And so I'm sure you remember at the Bikes Belong session, I want to give other, I want to shine a spotlight on other people who are doing the work in the field and who have these um, very ambitious ideas and and, um, and encourage them to to be the, you know, the sparks for those conversations. And, um, And so, yeah, we had some really great topics, you know, the Arctic came up and how you travel and recreate in the Arctic or even just rural Alaska, you know, the bike topic, the winter topic was one of the first, and that's what led to the Turning and Pass initiative. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's been, uh, they've been super fun. Uh, we'll start them up again, but, you know, you know, that they're not productive in the summer when everybody's out right. doing all that. <laughs> um, so we'll get them going again, but they yeah. were, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed them myself because I just mostly facilitated them and let whoever I, you know, the, the moderator, or the host of the day, I'd let them build their own panels and guide the conversations. And, and they were really, uh, I remember one of the other ones I really enjoyed was um, the, the conversation about um, the air taxi world, you know, and just the general aviation and stuff and what's involved in, um, you know, our bush pilot scene. And having a few bush pilots and the, the conversations there were super intense. You know, people were learning 
why, you know, all the factors that go into what it's like to run a bush pilot company and an air taxi company. And, um, and, and, and they were giving ideas to the bush pilots like, hey, I'd really love if you could, you know, let us know what season of the year is best to try to do our trips, you know, if we if we can finagle it, you know, weatherwise or whatever. And so that was a really uh, cool conversation as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were they were really great. Do, do you have any topics off the top of your head you can share with us for this year? Oh, uh, it's been full metal jacket on this grant program. So, uh, uh, that really isn't I, uh, where your focus has been on lunch yeah, and learn. Huh? Once we get past some confluence and stuff, we'll, we'll, I'll be ramping those back up again. But right now, um, I mean, I have some ideas and a lot of them have to do with this grant itself and, and just other trends and conversations happening across the sector throughout the industry. You know, I'm sure we'll have a conversation or two on the equity questions um, and equity topics um, and uh, and all that goes with that. And so, uh, yeah, it's just me, again, kind of looking around the network and, and who's doing cool stuff and cool topics that we think people would like to listen to and be part of. Yeah, awesome. So I welcome ideas if anybody wants to contact me <laughs> with their ideas. Bring them on. Well, and and that is how do how do people get signed up to watch or be on the email list for lunch and learn, and then also to be able to send you any potential topics. Yeah, so um, we've got a newsletter service, so you can go to alaskaoutdooralliance.org, our website. You can sign up for the newsletter, sign the pledge we've got on there to be a good outdoor industry supporter. Um, or not. And, um, but yeah, you can, you can get your name on that list. Then I send out email newsletters in advance to let people know what the topics are coming up. And, um, and then that also has my contact information on there if you want to reach out directly. Um, and so that's the easiest way is just go to the website um, or, and, or I try to echo the information, especially for the lunch and learns um, on the Alaska Outdoor Alliance Facebook page. Mm, great. I will put links on alaskapublic.org for both of those so that people can go right to this inner, when they've listened to the interview, they can go there and click on it and get involved. So, and learn more. Well, Lee, it's uh, been great talking to you. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to tell us what's going on in the politics and economy of the outdoors. Well, thank you. Thanks for taking an interest in, I I was going to try and get Mary to join us um, but today is her first day of vacation, and that would have been awesome to have her. Um, she would have given you a much more eloquent um, definition of regenerative tourism. But um, well, maybe I'll just day. have to bring her on just to talk about regenerative. Regenerative. I can't even say it. Regenerative. You know, I'll tell you. Um, it. You know, I know you're there mostly in the Anchorage area, but. Southeast Sustainable Partnership in Alaska is doing is so leading the way on just regenerative economies. Um, it's pretty impressive. Did you did have you heard that they had the announcement about a week and a half ago? Um, they created something called the Seacoast Trust. Oh, I haven't and heard about um, this. So Alaska put in ten million, and the um, Nature Conservancy put in 7 million and their first target is to get another 3 million to get up to 20 million. 
It'll be a trust basically fund to help support indigenous led stewardship. Um, and, um, and so there's that. And then there's the, the, the Biden administration had um, another executive order, I think it was for the Southeast sustainability strategy. And so they're working so that that strategy to get right now the forest service is taking input on what that strategy should look like. And so there's a concerted effort to just say, well, just do what SSP is doing. And, um, <clears throat> and then Mary and her regenerative tourism and um, the, the indigenous guardians program and all these catalysts and local forestry programs. It's crazy. It's crazy what they're, they're so far ahead um, in what they're doing. And um, it's really impressive and inspiring stuff, honestly. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's exciting times. It's really, it's, I'm just so happy that's, I mean, selfishly that this huge part of my life since I was a child has become a thing now that people care about, you know, it used to be such a yeah. little niche group of people. So. And it seems like it's everybody now. So I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe that's just the people we hang around. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably self-selecting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. <laughs> but <laughs> we're in our own echo chamber. Uh, yep. Thanks again, Lee, for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, Lisa. Really appreciate it. That's it for today's show. Thanks to my guest, Lee Hart. You can find pictures and links to Alaska Outdoor Alliance's website and Facebook page on alaskapublic.org. The show is produced by Eric Bork. My name is Lisa Keller, and from all of our hosts here at Outdoor Explorer, thanks for listening, and we'll see you outside. Outdoor Explorer is a production of KSKA Public Radio in Anchorage, Alaska. Theme music is by Portugal, The Man. Views expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect the station or its underwriters. You can find Outdoor Explorer on Facebook and in your favorite podcast app. To see what's coming up on Outdoor Explorer and add your voice to the conversation, go to our website at alaskapublic.org. Life Informed, this is Alaska Public Media.